Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is October 27, 2023. It's been 3,533 days since Russia's illegal occupation of Crimea on January 27, 2014, and one year and 248 days since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. Today's report covers the events that happened over the weekend. During today's podcast, you can use a Russia-Ukraine war map to help you visualize the areas discussed. And there is a link in the podcast description. The Russia-Ukraine war report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense and the Ukrainian General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine morning reports, operational commands north, south and east of Ukraine, open-source intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mail bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with the daily assessment. 1. Russia's use of human wave attacks has caused rapid deterioration of the situation in the Avdiivka area of operation AO. Despite the ongoing operational pause, Ukrainian forces are facing significant challenges. 2. Russian commanders have put mission objective over all other considerations, and they are committed to capturing the Avdiivka salient regardless of the cost. 3. In our assessment, there is the possibility of Ukraine attempting a larger-sized wet crossing near Kherson. 4. The soft response by Ukraine's allies after Russian aggression on Ukraine's border will eventually lead to a significant incident that could result in military intervention. 5. We maintain the announced commitment made by Ukraine's allies to provide the same level of military aid in 2024 as provided in 2023 as negative and are increasingly concerned about overall continued support due to blocked aid in the United States and the European Union and the Israel-Hamas war consuming the information space. 6. We maintain that Russia is stockpiling missiles and drones for large-scale attacks on Ukraine's energy infrastructure as the weather continues to degrade. 7. While the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, the threat should be taken seriously. Before I start the action report, I have a couple of quick updates in some areas where there is less activity, so we can focus on more critical news and assessments. The Kupinsk AO in Kharkiv remains stable. Northwest of Bakhmut, there was fighting near Hromova. Finally, in southwest Donetsk, fighting continued in the Marinka AO, near Novomikhailivka and Mikilske in the Vogladar AO, and south of Zolotaniva and Staromayorske in the Staromlinivka AO. The weekend report starts in the Donbass, beginning in Luhansk. In the Svatovayo, Ukrainian forces made additional gains in the direction of Raihorodka and Sergeyevka, with the line of conflict, Lok, 
now 500 to 1,000 meters from the Zharebetsy River. The Ukrainian 68th Yaga Brigade continues to restrict the freedom of movement of the larger but lesser equipped Russian forces. Fighting for control of the bridge that overlooks the river is ongoing. In the Kremina Eyo, the Russian Ministry of Defense, Armored, made its daily claim of positional fighting in the area of Dibrova. There is a plot twist in northeastern Donetsk. In the Klishivka Eyo, mutual fighting continued north and east of Klishivka and east of Andreevka, with no change in the situation. Days after the commander of the Ukrainian 3rd Brigade said that Russian Orlan 10 drones had become a serious problem, Russian forces shared similar complaints about Ukrainian drones. A video released by Russian state media revealed that Russian tanks can't approach the lock due to the number of Ukrainian drones. The tanks can only operate at night and provide indirect fire 8 to 9 kilometers away from Ukrainian positions. In southwestern Donetsk, while heavy fighting continues in the Avdiivka Eyo, it does not match the intensity of October 10th to 23rd, and there are indications that the ongoing Russian operational pause isn't going to end with improving weather. Based on open-source intelligence, the Russian main offensive in the Avdiivka Eyo is on the north flank, with the mission objective of capturing the Avdiivka coke plant and taking physical control of the T-542 highway, the key Ukrainian ground line of communication, GLOG supply line. This aligns with our previous assessment from last week. Russian forces have started dropping remote landmines on Ukrainian positions and in the no-man's land between the forwardmost lines of friendly troops, flot, of both combatants. The deployment of mines is a defensive measure and would suggest that Russian commanders need more time for resupply and reconstitution. Russian forces launched a tactical assault in the direction of Keramik from the Novobakhmutivka area that ended in failure. They also continued tactical assaults at the railroad tracks east of Stepove and remained unsuccessful. We adjusted the line of conflict northeast of the Avdivka coke plant, based on Russian reports of continued fighting for control of the Terracon and Russian sources describing the area between the railroad tracks and the approaches to the Krasnogorivka plateau as a no-man's land. A video from Avdiivka showed Raisa Ivanovna, a retired school teacher, still living in her bombed-out apartment with her cat Masha. The apartment of the pensioner is one of the last ones that are still somewhat intact in the badly damaged building. Raisa Ivanovna refuses to evacuate. We link to the video in our daily situation report. You can find more information in the podcast description. Fighting on the south flank is a subordinate attack meant to lock Ukrainian troops in place. Russian sources are complaining about the lack of artillery and armor support, resulting in losses. A Russian mail blogger fighting in Avdiivka wrote, quote, I understand perfectly well that our area is not key, and all these assaults are needed to stretch the Ukrainian forces not to give them the opportunity to transfer reinforcements from our area to the north and to keep the enemy on their toes constantly. I understand, but without proper artillery preparation, all this only leads to losses." Unquote. Russian forces continued raids meant to restrict freedom of movement near Opetne and north of Vodyane in the direction of Tonenke without proper artillery preparation, and suffered losses. Well, that's what the Russian man said. 
in the Zaporizhia Oblast, based on available intelligence, the lock remains stable in the Orihivayo. Although Russian sources claimed Ukrainian troops made new territorial gains west of Robotene. Intense mutual fighting continued on the western edge of Verbove, with both combatants suffering heavy losses. Armad claimed that a Ukrainian attack west of Robotene was repulsed, while a prominent Russian mail blogger claimed, without evidence, that Ukrainian forces made marginal gains in the areas of Rivne, Kopani and Nesteryanka. On Friday, the International Atomic Energy Agency released an update on the status of the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. Russian occupiers continued to block access to the rooftops of reactor units 1, 5 and 6, despite repeated requests since May. IAEA inspectors have also been blocked from inspecting the six turbine hulls, one after the other, to make sure Russian forces aren't moving weapons or heavy equipment around to avoid discovery. Inspectors were allowed limited access to turbine hall 1 on October 23rd. The reactor vessel is being closed on Unit 3 after planned work, and Unit 6 remains in shutdown for ongoing maintenance work. Reactors 4 and 5 are in hot shutdown, generating steam for plant operation and heat for the settlement of Enerhodar. In Kherson, based on social intelligence, it is our assessment that Ukrainian forces have established a bridgehead on the left bank of the Konka River and continue their shaping operation. Elements of the Ukrainian 137th Naval Infantry crossed the Konka River on October 14 and stormed the village of Krynke, which was defended by a platoon of Russian soldiers. The Russian unit was taken by complete surprise, with four killed in a home they occupied while eating breakfast. The survivors fled into the nearby forest without a fight. A larger Russian assault force, which included the group that retreated, tried to push the 137th out of Krynke and was repulsed, with the Ukrainian forces taking two prisoners. Both of the POWs are Mobics, with one thirty-nine and the other 60. Both arrived in August and were promised 200,000 rubles, which they never received. Incredibly, despite the occupation, a year of shelling and the flooding of the Dnipro River in June, a couple of pensioners still lived in the settlement and were evacuated to the right bank of the Dnipro. On October 16, attempts to push the marines out of the village intensified, but have remained unsuccessful. Since taking part of Krynke, approximately 50 Russian soldiers have been killed. Fighting for full control of Krynke continues, and we link to three videos that show the events of the last two weeks. A prominent Russian mail blogger reported continued fighting in Poima, Pishanivka and Pitstepne. Videos showed the birds of Madyar had been very busy destroying Russian armored vehicles and transports trying to advance toward Krynke from Novi Lahiri and Korsunka. Ukrainian forces also continue to maintain the landings north of Pishanivka and at Dachi. In western and central Ukraine, we attempted to get a better look at Slavuta in the Khmelnytska oblast, but clouds obscured the area. The IAEA completed its damage assessment at the Khmelnytsky nuclear power plant after Wednesday's explosion near the facility, 
observing 26 broken windows but reporting no impact on nuclear safety and security at the site, according to Director General Rafael Grossi. Thin metal sheeting is being installed over the broken windows until glass replacements can be procured. One reactor is operating, with the second shut down in August for scheduled maintenance. Before I talk about theater-wide events, a quick footnote. We are covering the Israel-Hamas war and have started situation reports available through our Patreon. $5 a month gets you in-depth information about the Russia-Ukraine and Israel-Hamas war. There is a link in the podcast description. And now on to theater-wide events. Czech Republic President Petr Pavel speaking with ambassadors about the continued support of Ukraine and its sovereignty, said, If Ukraine falls, then we will all fall. On Friday, Hungary and Slovakia blocked the 50 billion euro military aid package for Ukraine from the European Union. At the summit of the leaders of the EU in Brussels, the Prime Minister of Hungary, Viktor Orban, said he would not support new aid until he saw a quote, very reasonable proposal, unquote. Newly minted Slovak Prime Minister Robert Fico thought it was comedy night in Brussels and warned against sending any aid to Ukraine, citing corruption. On Saturday, the new Minister of Defense of Slovakia, Robert Kaliniak, said that during a meeting with the United States ambassador, he conveyed, quote, We will not send new shipments from Slovak ammunition depots to Ukraine, and the defense treaty, he is referencing the treaty with the United States, must be revised. Under current agreements, the United States is using two airfields in Slovakia, is fast-tracking an order of F-16s to modernize Slovakia's air force, and is investing $100 million in its airfield infrastructure. In a possibly encouraging sign, new Speaker of the House Mike Johnson told reporters on Friday, quote, we will not allow Putin to defeat Ukraine. It is for the benefit of U.S. national security. But we will monitor every dollar in the White House, unquote, hinting that conditions that hardliners want to set are softening. I haven't talked about Russian Mobix mobilization and MIR for a while, so let me bring you up to speed. The commander of Chechen Ahmad Special Operation Forces, Apti Alaudinov, claimed that former members of the private military company or PMC Wagner Group are joining Ahmad en masse and are being deployed to Ukraine. Quote, Wagnerites had been approaching me even before this. A certain number of soldiers had been joining us periodically. We now have a mass influx of Wagner PMC fighters into the unit, Alaudinov boasted. Multiple channels affiliated with the Schrodinger State PMC denied the claims. Telegram Channel 13 wrote, quote, No Wagnerites transferred to Ahmad, as happens in the wet fantasies of Chechen TikTokers. And those two and a half cripple, as a colleague from Grey Zone said, who supposedly still transferred, they no longer have anything to do with the company, unquote. Long-time listeners might remember that we shared some reports from Russian propagandist Mariana Naumova, who had made a series of reports in the occupied territories, highlighting how Russian Mir hasn't been very good for Ukrainians under occupation. 
We also share two different interviews with men who had been fighting since 2014 and were child soldiers at the time of their enlistment. It is reported that Naumova has run afoul of Russian prosecutors and is under investigation for discrediting the Russian Federation armed forces because of her reports with the, quote, disappointed local population. Russia has introduced a new long-range kamikaze drone called Italmas. The new drone was developed by Zala, the same company that makes the Lancet. It is a lower-cost, smaller, and more crude version of a Shahid-136 with a smaller warhead. While the new drone causes less damage, its smaller size makes it harder to track on radar and for air defenses to target. It's also unclear if the Italmas is an internally designed Russian drone meant to replace or supplement the Iranian-sourced Shahid-136. Russia is already domestically producing the Shahid-136, with a number of modifications that are considered improvements from the original Iranian design. In our assessment, Italmas is currently being field-tested in a combat environment. The commander of the Russian 810th Naval Infantry Brigade was given the title of Hero of Russia for the performance of the unit in the Urihivio. The 810th is currently being reconstituted after it suffered up to 80% losses over the summer. Production of the KH-47 air-to-surface ballistic missiles and Iskander short-range ballistic missiles are exceeding 2021 levels due to expanding production and Russia's ability to bypass existing sanctions. An investigation by the insider found that parts and machine equipment were still flowing from Poland, Germany, Lithuania and the US. The materials and equipment have dual use and are sent to a company called the Design Bureau of Mechanical Engineering, which is connected to the manufacturing of missiles. Finally, in geopolitical and economic news. Investigators in Finland have determined that damage to the Baltic connector pipeline was caused by the Chinese cargo ship New New Polar Bear. The container ship arrived in several Russian ports, missing one of its anchors, and a six-ton anchor belonging to the ship was recovered from the sea floor. The chief of the National Bureau of Investigation in Finland, Robin Lardo, said, quote, the next questions are whether it was intentional, negligence, poor navigation, and that's where we get to whether there could have been a motive for what happened. It's too early to answer that question at this stage. Unquote. In economic news, the Russian Central Bank raised interest rates for the third time in three months on Friday, from 13% to 15%. The increase is meant to stave off inflation and stabilize the value of the ruble. And that's today's update. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.